0: Welcome to Conversations with Ask Ash. Conversations with Ask Ash focuses on people, processes, and outcomes. Ashley dives into everyday conversations around work efficiency, team productivity, and project execution. Let's get into the show. And now, your host, Ashley Schuler. Ashley Schuler. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash. If you have been listening to the season, we have been talking about leadership, breaking down the leadership system from various lenses, whether you are in corporate, whether you are in the nonprofit space entrepreneurship, whether you're a team member yourself, whether you are a leader and you don't even think you're a leader, you are a leader. And we are breaking down all of the nuances of what it means to lead um, in this current climate that we're in. I'm excited because I have a sister friend uh, in the building. I have Miss Aisha Thomas and I'm going to get into her bio from serving her country and her community. Aisha Thomas serves corporations, institutions, through award winning solutions found in her introspective learning and development trainings. Her goal is to transform leaders globally to improve workplace culture, diverse talent management, and deliver high performers. Well, Aisha, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, sis. <laughs> so, so excited to be here. I'm honored and grateful and just appreciate you so much. So, I'm excited.
0: Oh, this is going to be a really great conversation. Uh, I want to start off with just a little bit about like where we know each other from. OK, uh, because I think it's so important. I want to set the the conversation. So, you know, Aisha and I met. We are actually a part of a personal and professional development community curated by uh, the great Dr. Eric. Thomas, the hip-hop preacher. And so we uh, have come into this space to better ourselves as leaders, as individuals, and the many hats that each of us wear. And what's cool about this space is that it's completely virtual, minus um, a couple of in-person events. But uh, literally, Aisha has been a part of BU, what is it, four years?
1: Man, I joined in October of 2018, the end of October. So it's It's getting there.
0: It's getting there. It's getting there. And so I joined December of 2018 as well. So I joined in December. And so the very first time that Aisha met was actually in for the 120 conference that was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And you were tall. That's like the running joke. That's like the. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, One of the things that I I think it is so dynamic about what you do, Aisha, is that you got many hats, right? You you train folks. You know, your mommy. You lead within our space. Uh, You do your entrepreneurship. You also. And um, have a career in the Air Force. So you do you do so much. So I want to first talk about balance as a leader. What you have all the hats, you do all the things, and many of us do. So what are some best practices that you have put in place?
1: Yeah. Um, well one of the things that I think is so important for leaders all together, right? And and it's it's correlated, but it's not. Is ensuring that you know all the hats that you wear, um, and the reason why, and know how to separate them. Because um, I was reading this one article, I uh, not an article, excuse me, it was a post. So um, there is this group that these Air Force members created, and it's supposed to be an outlet, and it's an outlet really to support one another. Um, and there's an officer, um, and he or he or she, because it was anonymous, they posted about this this like workplace toxicity they're navigating. Why how they're navigating PTSD and how they're um, having a hard time because they they can pretty much retire, but their identity is so connected to the role and the position of a leader that they're like, I'm not ready to hang up this hat. I'm not ready to take off these these uh, take off these uh, boots, and I don't know what I will be without this um, role. And man, it just it really just again, allowed me to recognize um, the importance of like that transition and the importance that leaders need to like make in identifying their roles, but also not making their roles be their identity. Um, So that's first and foremost, we are leaders in a multitude of ways because we are first and foremost, right? In the world is us, we are leaders of selves. Right. So that's, if anything, that's one hat, that's one being that you are. And then we're leaders at home. Um, and although you may or may not have children or may or may not have a spouse or a loved one or a partner, um, you have family members maybe that you support or you're, you're in a, you know, supported in some kind of way. Um, and then we're, we make these decisions to be leaders in organizations, institutions, in the military and so on. So, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is making sure you have that separate and then knowing the different hats you wear. So taking time and, hey, I wear, I'm a mom. Like for myself, I'm a mom. I serve in the military. I have a business. Um, I lead um, within um, the community, the personal and professional um, uh, development community. Um, you know, I have friendships. So I'm a friend, I'm a sister. And just knowing all these different roles and then within that, recognize I'm in school as well. So I'm a student. So you have to recognize, okay, what's the priority? Mom, right? You know, I know my military job is definitely a priority because I'm full-time. And just really ensuring that you're looking at and um, looking at your day-to-day and identifying what pockets need to have maybe that day. This day, I need to focus on this. This day um, gets mommy time. My kids get mommy time. This day gets this. I know on these two days, I need to focus on school, get some reading in. So you really have to um, be strategic in how you manage your time. I know we talk about the 168 review, and it's 168 hours in the week. I don't want to get into all that's really lengthy, but essentially, it's like you're you're looking and utilizing your schedule and your calendar, and your ca- like you you need to use your calendar to really. Um, Map out your day, because again, when you have more hats and more roles that you play, you need to really define how your week looks like while also prioritizing your mental wellness, your time for relaxation and doing nothing Um, and being able to recuperate, because a lot of times as leaders, we give so much outside externally, but we don't give enough to ourselves. So, um, it's just been an ongoing practice and being around amazing leaders like, uh, Ashley Shuler, um, systemizing has been something that has been, um, embedded in my spirit. Um, so I make sure that I live by my calendar and it's been a blessing since.
0: That's good Aisha and I, and I think this is this is an interesting segue into the importance of time management pre uh, pandemic world. Where, what 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 were the types of things that you were doing in terms of leading your team, managing your time, like what because it was a, it it's different now, right? It's it's like it's very different. What were some of the things that were that were going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that like, especially if you look at the leadership scope altogether um, and again, I serve in the military capacity. So there is like, there's different dynamics when you go on the outside um, of organizations in the civilian space sector, then um, coming into the military side. And of course we also work with civilians as well. Um, but what you're seeing is this focus of really work-life balance now and before that autopilot mode was more active than before. When I talk about autopilot, a lot of us function based off of our unconscious, right? We are, we have these daily practices that we do. You probably get up in the morning and you have a routine, right? Get up, brush your teeth, take a shower. You get the kids ready. You serve breakfast or you eat breakfast. And then you maybe go to the gym. You have this this practice that you do every day, all day. And there is just like an ongoing thing. And then the pandemic hit and boom, you had to pause and your whole, whole world change. And in this moment, you were forced to go from this unconscious autopilot uh, uh, process that you were doing to now you had to pause and you were so aware because your day was just with me, myself, and I, maybe you and your spouse, maybe you and the kids, you know, shout out to the moms and dads and parents. And even if you had a cat or a dog, you just had to do a lot more things that you weren't used to doing. And there was like this level of awareness that happened during the pandemic that shifted the priorities. So I would say before the pandemic, you know, there was, I would say there was like less awareness. So I mean, managing my team, the blessing is for myself awareness and community and exposure to the power of um, awareness was exposed to me. So I had I had already started to embed it in the culture of how I led and supported my team. I made sure that I was already making time for us to connect and um, have conversations and for us to learn more about each other and do that introspective connection more often um, than than just you know working our day to day. We understood the importance of interpersonal relationships. So it wasn't just, hey, how you doing? Let's go to our cubicles and work. We really made time to connect with one another and build from there. Um, And when the pandemic hit again, It really just brought us even closer because now we were talking about, man, I'm stressed. Now you're talking about like emotional wellness, mental wellness. And I'm a master resiliency trainer in the Air Force. Well, I got certified through them um, and I do it also in my business. But um, this conversation about resilience and mental wellness um, started to really uh, become a a big conversation piece as well as work-life balance. And now you're seeing the shift now where... You have organizations and the military, right? And that entity really talking about mental health, wellness, work-life balance, prioritizing yourself, making sure you're the priority, making sure that you're taking care of yourself, which I think is a beautiful thing.
0: And you're you're absolutely right. The aspect of autopilot, because I can remember getting up, getting on the train, you hit the coffee shop. Da, da, da. you go into the office you say hey you and then you're going to your meetings that's it like you're going you're scarfing down a late lunch and then you're going home and doing and you're doing it all over again and so I think what you were speaking to is so um true about now we are super hyper aware of how we're spending our time in this, sp- in this space and I love this aspect with what you talk about with the interpersonal aspects of your team, because now the conversation is returning back to work, right? Folks are returning back to work or are they, or, you know, it's all up in the air. Okay. So one of the things that I am not hearing a lot about is how do we best truly understand who we're working with? Because when we stepped into the the pandemic, and who we are now are different, we're different people. What terms of best practices have you implemented or continue to implement with your team to know like how they've changed and you know what I'm saying? And how people have developed. What What is it that we can be doing in that space?
1: So it's communicate. I mean, I know it sounds so like, oh, it's just communication. It really is. Um, One of the things that so there is um, what 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 we're navigating right now is what they are coining the great resignation. Um, Again, the transition from being in lockdown to going back into the office, um, there were a lot of organizations that weren't given clear direction about what's the plan? You had individuals who were trying to identify, like, again, there was a safety concern. Um, You also had a lot of uh, connectivity that happened within amongst families and loved ones. They recognize like, man, I've been functioning on autopilot so much that I have neglected time with my loved ones, neglected time with myself. I've recognized that I need to start prioritizing, um, you know, this other side again, now this self-leadership side, I need to start to prioritize this side more often and now it's like they got used to a routine of that and now it's like okay now I have to incorporate going back to work but I have I recognize that the priority now also is I'm aware that I need to prioritize my family as well so going back into the office it's like uh it's it's, it's like, man, the money or, or um, chasing the title and these opportunities, people started to look for more purpose That's behind right. their position. It like it, it like just really reshaped how people saw things, because you have to also realize that so many people passed away during covid. You had loved ones. You had people connected to people and people started to really ask themselves how am I living my life? I was just functioning on autopilot, going to work every day, neglecting time with myself, my family, and so on. I need to be more purposeful in how I navigate my professional career, my personal career, I mean, my personal life and so on. So you have a season of the great resignation that's happening right now that ha- and that is because you have some individuals that are like, listen, I need hybrid work, to stay because this allows me to have that work-life balance. You know what? I recognize that the school system is up and down. I need to be able to have access to my children. Child care is up and down. So you had a lot of um, women that were in leadership and women that were transitioning out of the um, workforce. You had individuals that's like, you know what? I want to follow the entrepreneurship route um, because I want to have more control because I, I'm being told I need to go back to work. They're not even giving, communicating to me what's next, what the plan is. Should we wear mask? Should we not? Um, I'm hearing about the, all these different variances coming out. You know what? I'd rather be an entrepreneur and I can control my schedule, utilize my gifts, and I can navigate how I want to live my day to day. So communication was so key for me and my team. It was so key. And it wasn't just like, hey, how you doing? It was like personalized communication. Personalize. That's the biggest thing I tell leaders when I go and do these trainings. Do you really know your team members? Because they're giving you pertinent information all the time: who they are, what they prefer, um, how they like to communicate. I have one team member who I can talk to on the phone for hours. That's just how we communicate. That's what she likes. She will talk about this and that. Um, I'll check in. I know she has. She was recently married. Um, She has. I believe she has about four or five children. Um, so you know, checking in with her on the kids. You know, they'll post about the kid's birthday. So I'll text her later, like, "How was so and so's birthday?" I knew her; his birthday was a couple of days ago. So man, Monday comes around. So what did you guys do for the birthday party? Right? There's so much pertinent information you can utilize. Um, you can utilize to make sure that you are learning and you are following up with your team members. So people want to know that you care. So this, hi, good morning, how you doing? It needs to be like, how are you? How are your family? Oh, I heard you. Oh, are you feeling okay? You know what? Go ahead, take the rest of the day off. We have another plan. So it had to be about personalized communication, um, making work-life balance a priority and communicating and having a plan of truly how your organization, your department, your company was navigating all these changes that were happening. And also considering maintaining some type of hybrid schedule, because that is preferred. And now you have companies that are attracting talent, because they are embedding hybrid work schedules, rather than the other ones that are like, no, you have to come back to the office full time. And not saying that you have to, but that is an attraction piece now that people are looking for.
0: Absolutely. This communication piece, like you said, it's it's simple, you know, right? It's that simple piece of it. But even in that communication, because when you talked about the great resignation, I was reading something and somebody coined it the anti-work. And I started reading about that and I was like, oh, okay, the anti-work, people walking off the job, people just saying, that's it that's it. (laughs) Like they're not doing it. When I, when we're looking at it from the perspective of communicating what's not working with, with how you are like assignments or, you know, just leadership and goals and all those things. What are these best practices that we need to keep in mind? Like, what is it that you are telling your clients? What have you experienced so that someone's not like, Aisha, that's it. Like, (laughs)
1: Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I think again, again, I, I again I keep on saying communication, but it's really like when you have recognized that there is, it's important that a that leader, that person cuz again, we might have leaders listening that you are maintaining that communication with your team members and checking in um and really having that real deal holy field conversation like I know the pandemic has shaken things up. Um how how are you feeling? How are you, um, what are your career aspirations? How has it affected your career aspirations? Um, and again, the hope is that you have already been building that relationship already. So you know that, you know, you are, you aren't necessarily surprised if someone decides to, decides to make a shift. However, again, um, you don't know what's playing behind the scenes with a team member. But if you are someone on the side where you're like, you know what, I think it's time to go. Um, outside of having a plan, outside of just recognizing that you have a um, you know a, 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 an effective plan in place if you transition, but again, it's in the conversation that you're having and getting and connecting with that leader and um, letting them know or identifying, um, identifying what your concerns are and having that strategic, strategic conversation with them. And when I say strategic, it's about proposing or coming to them with facts rather than emotions. I mean, that's easier said than done, but when you are going to say, Hey, this is what I'm navigating. These are my concerns. We don't want to just go in there, just having a, just, it's always, it's okay to have an open dialogue, but I think it's always beneficial to have examples and solutions. Or, or or potential solutions, right? Um, so, for instance, um, there was a project that I wanted my team members to do, and I I wanted them to do it because I'm not I'm like, listen, guys, I need you guys to. I want you to promote. I want you to stand out. You know, when we retro evaluations this year, I want you all to just blow it out the water. I also know you all want to move into the next rank. So, in order to move into the next rank, these are things that you want to start doing now. But What I want you to do to make sure you're communicating to me because you might see things from another perspective because I got feedback and I said, hey, you guys are amazing. You're great. I don't have to. I mean, I don't micromanage anyway, but I don't have to like nitpick what you guys are doing. And I got feedback that, you know, and I was like, no, I was like, you need to have I want you guys to have creative control, meaning that I believe and trust that you all have all the tools and the skills to manage this project and do it the way that you want and then present it to us and then we'll discuss it further. Well, they were concerned. They were concerned and they were like, you know what? I think we're being set up for failure. And I was like, set up for failure. I was like, man, my heart was in this. What do you mean? How? So when we had the conversation, what it was is that they were concerned because the previous culture of the organization, they said that they would get projects like this, but then it would blow up in their face. They were like, just giving me all this Information about their previous experience before I got there. And I said, I need to know this. I need to know your concerns. I need to know what you're worried about. I need to know um, what you're uneasy about. So when you go into doing this project, you're not going in with this angst, with this concern, and now this might be driving you towards walking out the door. Let me know, and I can give you my vision why I want to do it, and then also let you know that I got your back. Like my team knows, I'm a ride or die when I live let's like go that. I'm ride, <laughs> or you know. I'm going to find something else to replace that, but I'm going (laughs) to ride for you. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to fight for you. Um, but we need to have that open dialogue. So I, every week when we meet and we meet every week, um, just about, you know, unless some schedules change and we discuss these things, what are your concerns? What are your issues? What are your questions? I'll sit on the phone with you, but it's about, again, having that open dialogue and really, um, being able to talk to them, but again, go in with strategies with um, your concerns, examples. Okay, well, this is my concern. Here's an example of what happened. Here's a solution because you can give some solutions and see how it's going to benefit the masses as well. Because if you can show how it's going to benefit the masses, now you're showing that, oh, this doesn't just benefit me, right? It's not a selfish ask. It's something that's going to benefit the entire department, organization, company, and even possibly the other departments um, within that, uh, within that scope of that company. So that's always a good strategy um, that you can attempt to to use. And of course, also recognize y'all, if it's time to go, it's time to go. Not every leader is gonna be open. Not every organization is gonna be open. I have this motto, individuals don't typically quit the organization, they typically quit the leader. And that's why I always end with, that's why you need leadership development because my audience are leaders. So there are gonna be moments where It's not going to be, they're not going to be open, right? They're going to be things that you said, I need this in this season to help me grow, develop, or get to the next level. And that's okay. But at least have the conversation, give the options, allow that leader to try and then make your decision from there.
0: No, I I think that's really good. There's, There's strategy in your communication, the facts over the feelings piece. But even just what you highlighted on the topic of feedback, and the importance of having feedback. As a leader, you know, I know that some people like fear feedback, right? Like I don't want to hear nothing. Like, or I don't want to be in a position and I've been in that position where you're just cut down. So you don't know how to actually express yourself. So even from a, uh, a role of somebody that's a leader giving the feedback, best practices in that. And also from a, Let's see, from the person that's receiving it, I always I had always asked the follow up question of making sure that there's always examples tied to it. Right. So that you can see it. What has what's been some of your strategies that you've seen that's worked?
1: Yeah, so even with um, so make feedback a part of the culture meaning again um, especially and I know we're going to talk about it but especially as we are transitioning into um, we're we're living in a time where we have an intergenerational um, workspace so you have a generation that's really like looking for like feedback they're they're just yearning to grow, but make feedback a part of the culture. You should not just have your feedback sessions. Hey, it's six months. It's time to do that paperwork feedback time. Oh, hey, it's 12 months. It's time to know it should be constant. Right. And that's the thing that we need to redefine feedback and not look at it as a negative. Right. Um, feedback can also be positive. Man. That presentation you did yesterday was awesome. Highlight what what they did that stood out. It was when you kicked it off this way. It was when you did that. And did you notice how so-and-so in the back smiled and how people participated? That's feedback. Because again, when people are excited and they're in their mode of presenting, they might not even realize all the different amazing things that are happening because they're just killing it as they're presenting, but that's feedback too, to let them know, man, you're winning here. And now this person is aware that, okay, okay, the way I'm doing these presentation works. So, you know, next week, they don't try to switch it up because in their mind, they didn't do that well, because again, we are our own worst critics, right? So that's feedback. Um, if you notice that, uh, on a, whatever it is, maybe it's some, a project that you received or an email that you read or you're copied on, um, if you see that there's maybe one little tweak that they can make, you know, hit a forward and say, hey, I would make this slight adjustment, just a small recommendation. And it might help land another way with this customer. Right. So make feedback a part of the culture of your team versus just making it during these session, because that's what adds to the anxiety and the stress of it is when it's like when is a oh, paperwork time oh, it's when it's about to be a time for the performance feedback. And that is a stressful time because um, a, a person's rating is important. In the military, we have these evaluation systems and those evaluation systems do impact your career in a major way. It could impact you getting into a special duty. Um, it can impact you your promotion, Right. And the same thing on the civilian sector. So that's what adds to the stress. But if you make feedback a part of your culture, it's normalized. Then it's not a surprise when you sit down and you're like, okay, this is what happened or this is the areas you need to work on because you've been talking to them. You've developed them. And coaching has been a part of what you've been doing as a leader. Right, Make coaching a norm for what you do and make feedback a norm. And the more you do that, um, I I think that'll uh, normalize it. And then secondly, be open to feedback. Check in. Again, I ask my team weekly when we meet, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Is there areas of improvement? Hey guys, I wanna implement this new process. What do you think? I make it a collective decision because A, I'll get more buy-in, right? And of course there's some decisions that just have to be, hey guys, we gotta go this way because the higher ups want it this way. But however, I like it to make it be a collective decision. Why? or a collective thing because there are things that my team are doing that I'm not, might not be touching or seeing. And they might be like, well, Hey ma'am, or Hey, this, this might be why we need to tweak this because when I work with customer a, this is their experience. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that now you make the adjustment. So the more you bring that collective conversation as well, I think that benefits in, um, you know, those process of, um, You know, and again, and making feedback normalized, that'll really benefit a leader, um, that engagement that they have with their team member.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Making it a part of regular conversation, again, eases that when it is that evaluation time, you send that email, hey, we need to meet. But I think what's interesting now is that, you know, we're seeing a lot of different like younger folks, like the, or TikTokers or Gen Z folks um, on the, on the scene, taking different paths, whether they are taking jobs in corporate or they're, you know, springboarding onto different teams in the entrepreneurship space. There is a sense of like, you know, you're set in your ways, but at the same time, because technology is evolving, because, you know, all the things are happening. What is it that, Old guard, the season folks. What is it that we should be looking at in terms of our, our new our newest crop of leaders that are budding?
1: Yeah. Um, so like I call, I refer to them as the generation of the now and the generation of the future. Right. And again, we're living in a time or the workplace is very, again, diverse, but as far as generation, this is the first time that you have all these generations working with with one another. So you have the baby boomers that are retiring at a very high rate. You have Gen Zers there. you have millennials there and so on. And there has been this like somewhat of a clash because whenever I go to a lot of uh, organizations, I do a lot of learning and development trainings or sessions. I get this. Constant question: How do I connect with the younger folks with the Gen Zers? Well, they typically say millennials, (laughs) and they're really referring to the Gen Zers. And it's so funny because I'm like, I am a whole millennial, and you're asking because you know it seems like they're lazy and they seems like they're this and that and like all these terms. And I'm like, I'm a whole millennial. You don't even realize it, but let's stop here. Um, And I just want to explain to them their their perspective because their higher turnover rates uh, with, um, excuse me, with Gen Zers. Um, there are, they w- they'll they take their leave. They'll take their time off. Um, they've really prioritized their self-care. They ask a lot of questions. They're looking for growth and development. And the, you know, again, the generation of the now is like, whoa, 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 whoa buddy. Hey, hey there, ladies, slow down now. Okay, <laughs> exactly. you got to put in some time. You got to put in. But again, they're just anxious for that growth and development. And that is because you have to realize every generation, and their worldview was shaped by what they were exposed to. So you have this generation of the future that has access that we never had. They're learning at higher rates. I mean, by just your, the, the, Punching some few, a few things on your keypad. You can learn about Timbuktu. But when I was growing up, right? I mean, although we were, we're in like the millennials, we're in that stage where we saw like the transition from having no technology to technology, right? This big boom of the internet and so on. I remember the days of going to the library and you have to go to the encyclopedia. Okay, encyclopedia. (laughs) Listen, okay. (laughs) And there were some um, things that they didn't have in there. Like it was outdated and I'm pretty sure updating those encyclopedias were were a lot of work. So we didn't get all this information we have access to, but they have access to information. They're exposed to so many different things now. And you have generations that again, grew up in, you know, um, you're talking about um, during a time where it was world wars During a time where there was segregation, during a time where there was just a totally different mindset, and those different experiences shaped their mindsets. Their leaders, their first leaders, first teachers in the household, their parents, their families, their communities um, shaped how they saw the world, shaped how they did leadership, shaped how they showed up on a day to day basis. So, all those things um, developed, um, or sh- uh, excuse me, I yeah, developed who they became as a leader. And now again, with this shift that you're having, the future looks a totally different way for general Zers. So it's not a thing about them being lazy. It's not that they don't want to stay in companies no uh, long, I mean long, but it's about understanding their needs and their wants. And again, this is the generation and the leaders of the future. And if you're a company, if you're an organization that wants to be long lasting, you have to understand them because these are also your customers and your future clients too. They're going to be Gen Zers. They're going to be the next crop that's going to be coming in, interested in your products and services. So you need to understand their culture, what's important to them. You know, their priorities are diversity, equity and inclusion. That is a big need for them. They want to grow. They want to develop. They want that constant feedback. They want to see what opportunities um, there are. And again, a lot of their reasoning for um, being so like eager is because they saw their parents navigate the world in a way that bothered them. And they're like, you know what? I want to make sure I take hold of my career and my life because I saw what my mom and dad experienced. I saw what they went through. It affected us. And this is the feedback that they've given there's been articles written about it studies done and they're like listen i'm going to take hold of my career i'm going to take hold of my mental wellness i'm going to take off i'm going to take vacation i'm going to take a hold and if this company isn't giving me what i need i'm going to depart so leaders take time to understand one another right because again you have the generation of the now generation of the future understand you guys can learn from one another because again, we're going into the future, so we need to know that information, but you have so much wisdom to impart on them as well that's going to benefit them. So instead of having a clash, let's build a bridge, right? We're burning the bridge. Bridge is just going away, you know, but we need that's to build it. that bridge. Yes, we need to build that bridge. So that's really what it is. It's about learning from one another versus looking at like, why ain't you like us? They can't be like you because they are being exposed to and they're having a different experience and a worldview than we and you and them had.
0: And I think that's that's so on point because, you know, going back to what you're talking we're talking about of getting feedback on process because it's also like their outlook and their perspective. You didn't think about this, did you? You know what I'm saying? Being able to help bridge that gap between what you think is good now between we're building for the future. So I think that's I think that's really important, right? Making sure that we are connecting with our TikTokers and our <laughs> the generation of the future. And I love that. One thing I wanted to transition into in terms of your brand and business uh, and something that I've, I've just loved to see the series that you're, you're doing right now is Leaders Prioritizing God, okay? And I wanna read this little uh, clip from excuse me, the little caption from the December one where it says, um, Jesus led with boundaries and his example can help us, uh, can help us who struggle to maintain them or show others which hinders our work and leadership. If you expect a fruitful 2022, maintaining boundaries is a must. So first and foremost, leaders prioritizing God, where did that come from and then we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this like this is yeah. like been really cool yes
1: yeah I mean again being someone that is really grounded in faith um, you know me and this awesome you know group of individuals um, uh, Derek Walker and um, Delilah house we came together I started this fast a couple years ago Delilah came on and I was like I need you to join this with me and then Derek hopped on but pretty much you're talking about you know this perspective of incorporating like individuals who have this faith-based approach, okay, how do we lead in the quote-unquote world while also maintaining this aspect of, okay, um, maintaining this outlook of, okay, prioritizing God, okay, when I make my decisions, when I um, navigate leadership and, and navigate where I'm going next, that I am going to God and I'm making sure that I'm not looking at things based off of the world's direction, I'm looking at it from the spiritual lens. Because unfortunately, the reality is, if we make decisions solely based off of, and this is again, this is for us because this is a faith based approach. If we make decisions solely based off of the world's perspective, we are going to make ineffective decisions because again, there's so many perspectives. There's so many, hey, you know, there are certain cultures or certain spaces where it's about, you know, me, myself, and I, there's like a level of selfishness that are is connected to the approach of leadership where, you know, if we are looking at, our leadership and what we're doing in these organizations and companies with purpose, intent, recognizing that it is a ministry, right? There's a purpose behind it. There is impact behind it. There's going to be lives touched behind it. Then we are navigating it completely different. So that's really the approach, recognizing that our decision-making impacts people, the people connected to those people because those individuals have families. So it's really incorporating that piece. And it's been really magical because again, within the world, you see all these leaders navigating the world, right. But still maintaining, um, these, uh, uh foundational spiritual, uh, focus points, but also recognizing that they're, People, right? They made mistakes. You know, they they recognize. You know, seeing that, okay, let's normalize that we don't have to be perfect. But also, in in that piece that you read, you know, Jesus was the ultimate leader. He showed us the importance of team development. He showed us, okay, there's certain um, team members that can be elevated to certain positions, and there's certain team members, okay, you're good right here, right? He showed us, you know, um, hard conversations. He showed us boundaries. You know what? I'm gonna go off because the crowd's getting a little heavy. I need to go off and. Go pray and rejuvenate, and take a break from everyone. He took he 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 um prioritized rest while everyone was stressed out. So you saw emotional management, you saw emotional intelligence. So you saw every single piece of the uh, empathy. So all those uh, soft skills that we need as leaders to help us navigate leadership, as well as those important key pieces um, we saw within Jesus, all within his short period of being with us. So I I think that like those principles are so effective in how we lead, especially if you're looking at it from the faith-based perspective.
0: No, I I think that is, that's really good. It's really dynamic. And I think, you know, I resonate with that deeply because when decision is coming my way, whether it's leading or in a space of, you know, leading a team or not, you know, it is sometimes something they'll come, these situations will come and be like, "Mm, let me go on and pray about that thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? To collect yourself, because like you said, if we're just doing emotion we're just going to just run and then again it's that aspect of affecting one decision affecting all other things and what was that a uh, little acronym we came up with now i forget it because we came up because with something oh because yeah. oh decisions impact everything because yes. i was ta- yes. talking about reading through uh judges first and second chronicles first and second kings and talking about what i was seeing through all the different kings and governors, and, and they are being elevated, and seeing all of the decisions that were made, and then how it affected everything. And so I feel like that principle has to be taken everywhere, just even if within your family, okay? Because there's leader. How do you lead as a mother, as a father? You know what I'm saying? Like how do you, how are you leading in those spaces? Um, let me. Yes. Aisha, I shall. I shall want you to touch on. Um, a couple of the leaders that you've uh, um, highlighted within that series that um, that you, uh, the leaders prior to to choosing God. What are some of your favorite 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 ones? ones.
1: Yeah, um, definitely the story of um, Noah, right? Because again, you're talking about a leader who was like just on their own because he was developing and leading or doing something that wasn't the norm, You know, and I think that there are going to be seasons where, um, as a leader, you're going to feel like you're the only one at that company or that organization, or you're the only one in that niche. You're starting something completely new, you're starting a new trend. And you know, everyone's going to be like, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, even we can talk about like the way when we got into this personal development um, and professional development community, you hear these stories so many from people that's like, "Ah, my family, they don't understand. And it's this and that. And some people, they have a hard time um, with that because again, when they're loved ones and people next to them don't believe in their vision or their dream, it's like, man, they have a hard time uh, with that. So when they get into these communities of like minds, they're like, I've been looking for you because I thought I was the only, only ship, right? On the sea. Um, but they're gonna be seasons as leaders where it seems like we're the only ones that are speaking up and no one else is like y- y'all the only ones y- I know y'all see this chaos happening here <laughs> That's anybody it. gonna say anything so I think the story of Moses really um, shows you like how following that guidance of God and just like trusting and believing and just following again that lead again it's that decision he made and also he was th- he still led his family how it benefited the masses of course the story of Joseph oh I love that story of Joseph because it really shows you the growth it's, it's a growth and development story yes. for those 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 first tier leaders, you're in that first tier of leadership and you're like, okay, I'm ready to get in there and you're ready to just like watch someone go from. um, Yes, like leadership is there's this whole debate about are you born a leader? You know, in my mind, the answer is no. People are born with um, traits and qualities. Like some people are great communicators or they're great. Like they just have this uh, uh, je ne sais quoi. Like they have this like zhuzh about them that is beneficial for leadership. However, there's a development process that you still need because when it comes to communication and all the different components you need for leadership that still needs work. But the story of Joseph really shows you how a growth and development is important and how each phase of, you know, these pit to palace moments that um, he had it really helped him grow as a leader, where it helped him build empathy, it allowed him to recognize when was the right time to speak and when was the wrong time to speak. It allowed him to recognize like, OK, um, forgiveness, conflict resolution, all those different things, because you're going to have to work with people that. You might have had an argument with a few years ago. Might, it might be someone that they hire. You might be like, huh, I I remember a few years ago. That's the same person that. Exactly. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right. Because we, don't, we know, if, especially if you're not in that decision making seat, you might not recognize that you have no choice. You might not have any say in that hiring. And of course, if you're at that CEO level as well, you can learn a lot of great um. A great, great pieces from that, because, again, it just shows that, you know, there's some developmental pieces that you need um, and and growth is constant as a leader, because in every stage, in every phase, Joseph was growing within that. And of course, David. Right. He was the man after God's own heart, but he made so many mistakes. So you actually see because, again, I, talk, I say leadership is self self leadership. You lead within the home, right? You may take the position of leadership as well, but you can even look at the family dynamic, the importance of like, there were so many family related things that David missed that also impacted now him leading professionally right. and how those things connect. Because ladies and gentlemen, I am a believer now. Remember how they'd be like, separate personal from, uh, from from professional. Leave uh your personal life at home and don't bring it into work. But ladies and gentlemen, it follows you at work. And you're talking about someone who has navigated divorce while in the military, and while in my professional life, someone has navigated, you know, mental health um, struggles and navigating anxiety, depression, transitions, you know, imposter syndromes, and all that. Right? It'll follow. It does follow you into the workplace. Right. And as a leader, I've had these conversations and I've seen how the death of someone's family member has impacted them. So I understand that that is like the little cliche thing that we've heard, but it's not a fact. You know, emotions are real. Real life experiences can affect how somebody shows up in the workplace. So you saw how that dynamic, in fact, impacted that. And it's just a reminder of the importance of making sure that you are leading effectively in each area. And that's why, again, prioritizing each area is so important.
0: No, that's, that's, that's super on point. You know, just in terms of who you are in the different spaces, you know, it is a hard to, to separate. I used to think the same thing. You got, you don't be crying at work. That's what I was told. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do it. Like you should not be emotional. Right. But so, so even with, understanding yourself because you are you're certified in the in the disc space right in the and so what is it um well first of all I'll tell people what the disc uh, assessment is and then how that has helped you in terms of training your clients especially in uh leadership development sessions and things of that nature where people are really trying to like to understand people and understand how to work better so so tell us about the disc assessment
1: Yes, yes. Well, I understood the the importance of, again, self-awareness. It started with me first, right? And that's why I say self-leadership is so important. I recognize that I was an ineffective leader, right? So even with my leadership journey, right, I'm giving all these t- tips and strategies. Like I've just been like this bomb.com leader from the beginning. <laughs> I was not, <laughs> right? Aisha did not go into leadership even looking for leadership. I joined the Air Force, the military for the benefits. I was like, listen, I don't like owing my college money. I want to pay for my college. And then I didn't realize I was going into a leadership machine and I get to basic <laughs> training and they're like, um, uh, Sergeant, um, no, Airman Thomas at the time, um, you're going to be an element leader. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so now I'm thrown into leadership and I'm supposed to lead nine other young women. And I'm like, huh? And I, again, I didn't go in looking to lead and I was afraid of conflict. So I tried to do everything for everyone. When we had inspections, I would get up earlier and do, you know, fix the beds for them. If their hospital corners weren't right, I was fixing it for them. If their uh, laundry bag wasn't done right, I'm going in there and fixing stuff for them. And after a while, with just the hustle and bustle of basic training, I, I, I slept, I slept in and I got fired. And I learned in that process when the next person came in, like, okay, man, I need to I need to get better. And I saw like this yearning to like improve. And then leadership became something that I got I got attracted to. Um, And I think that um, learning like human behavior and being more self-aware is going to be important if you are seeking to lead. Because I always say we all have leadership within us because leadership is connected to um, influence. Um, but if you do decide to take on the role of a leader, which depending on the company and the organization, their requirements might differ. and of course, you have those core skills that you need, that it's going to be important that you master awareness. You need to do the work with yourself, and in the process of doing the work from my, with myself, I understood the power of self-awareness, and that's when I was introduced to assessments like the DISC and a few other ones that I utilize. And in studying and becoming certified in these psychometric, excuse me, psychometric tools, um, and really like pursuing this um, human behavior certification, um, and really learning the importance of understanding myself and others and emotional intelligence, EQ and so on, and realizing that EQ just outperforms IQ. And although we need IQ in the workplace, EQ is important for leadership as well. So what I've been able to do is utilize these assessments. And again, what it does is really just study. It's, I call them self-awareness tools, right? These are self-awareness tools that allows you to be more aware of your tendencies and behavior, things that motivate you and inspire you, Um, your rating in EQ, because I have a tool that rates your EQ or your certain within leadership competencies, um, where you stand with that, your attributes, your natural talents, um, and how you even problem solve as far as people processes and um, as well as the big picture. And the reason why these are important is because, again, if you are more apt to make decisions focusing on the people and you're not considered the big picture, like how's this going to impact the big picture or the processes, then you, you can't make decisions solely about the people. You need to incorporate all three. If you are someone that is, again, a high D and you're a big problem solver and you are going after the problem, fast paced, aggressive. But then that person that's a high C is like, hey, 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 quality control here. I'm a high C, right? They're quality control driven, you know, rules and procedures. And they're looking to dot the I across the t. They're like, hey, wait, 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 Heidi, I need you to you about to go and just go solve this problem. But you haven't realized that this, this, this and this and this and they're like, "Ooh, OK, I'm sorry. Right. And in a team dynamic, what happens there is where you go from working with just yourself and now you're working on a team. You have a multitude of personalities coming together and you need to understand how each person ticks, how they understand, like why they question things or why they want to engage so much. You need to understand that because again, the more we understand human behavior and ourselves, our tendencies and our awareness, now we can really work in a level of cohesion that's gonna benefit how you navigate the day to day. And when you do that, now that's gonna support productivity. And with productivity, that's gonna bring you more revenue and it's gonna support all the different areas that you have and now it's gonna benefit the big picture and the goals that you have within your organization. So that's the benefit of it. It's just giving you that overall, um, you know, awareness of how you can utilize each person effectively and also how to navigate those interpersonal relationships within the workforce.
0: And I love that. I, I believe the disc is one of the most powerful tools out there. There's a there's a couple other ones I like a lot, but I also want to you know, lean into the fact that I had a realization just with taking my own DISC assessment, like high S and high I, that this is the, t- this is a tool. This is not who I am. And as I begin to really, you know, start learning the tool itself and also just, you know, when I start like breaking down the, they have the little, the breakdowns, right. You're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, how can I lean into some of the other ones that are lower, right. How can I do that? So yes. actually can you can you speak to that yeah. about we we have we we have all four of these um in the D, the I, the S and the C, right?
1: Yes, yes, we have all four of these. And I love what you said that because again, you know, they they have like this again, coin a thing of like a personality assessment, but they don't define who you are. They don't. Right. These are just, again, awareness tools. It gives you a level of awareness of how you navigate the world. And yes, you know, over time, you might see that, man, I've been a high eye most my life. However, in the workforce, in your business, in school, wherever you are, you have to tap into different um, traits and behaviors and activities in order for you to reach a certain goal. So you have every single one of the, uh, all of the assessments, excuse me, all of the um, attributes within you, right? You have that D, that I, that S and the C. So there's going to be a moment where you need to make a quick quick problem. You have to solve a problem ASAP because you just have to, and you don't have no choice but to do it. And you can tap into that, right? There's going to be a moment again, as a business owner, that someone that is a natural introvert. A lot of people don't think I am, but I am. I know that in business, I can't just be eh, hiding in the back. How am I going to attract clients when I go and I go speak? I have to. Good morning. How y'all doing? Welcome. Shake hands, kiss babies, interact, or that's going to be a horrible presentation. So I have to tap into that. Right. And I know that because I'm not naturally, I don't naturally tap into that. I might be drained later. I can go rest later. Right. That S right. The understand of pace. Because if we rush through things too much, we're going to miss dotting the I and crossing the T. And then you send something to a client or a customer and it's crap, right? You might have missed some key things. And they're like, and what if you are sending it to somebody that's detail oriented? And they're like, you know what? I can't work with someone that does not know how to do this or do that. Or even the C, again, you're not, so you, you can't tap into quality control. And now you're sending out, Uh, ineffective products and now maybe you are the next developer for iPhones and every iPhone you sent out, you missed a big chip that needed to be in it you're gonna get fired, right? Because now you are messing with the money. They have People have to return it, that's money invested. And we're hoping to get the return back, but now we can't get the return back because we have to fix all these phones. So every single piece of, of, the, of those pieces of your assessment or the assessment and those attributes are needed and we, need, we can tap into all of them um, at any point. And we have to recognize again, it doesn't define who we are. It's about strategically adapting to the attribute that's needed in order for you to reach that goal.
0: That's it. That's it. And just being, you know, that's that self leadership and that self awareness piece. That's where it starts, as you said. And I'm I'm wondering too. I should just from the perspective of um, hiring or uh, bless and release. Um, <laughs> what are some things that you have uh, spoken with your clients about, and you've navigated in terms of having the right person on your team? Like, what does that look like? Where does that process start? Like, where should people begin when they start thinking about hiring?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, you want to be like very, very clear about, of course, like writing down what you need, right? What you need, um, what you're looking for and looking at things outside of just, OK, I know I need these certain skills, right? We're looking at IQ, um, but also I want leaders to really start considering the EQ aspect of leadership or positions, um, of interactions and start asking more, um, you know, more role-based questions or, Hey, tell me about a time where you had to navigate a problem and tell me the specific outcomes, like really start asking questions that expands a conversation from, okay, you check the box. You have this certification, this certification, check, check, check. Okay. You're the perfect fit. Are they? Right. Because if they're going into a team dynamic, right, this is another personality that's going to come in. And uh, and there is a benefit in utilizing the, the you know, these assessments and hiring and so on. But remember, right, just because you're hiring someone as a high eye doesn't mean that they're going to come in and just mess up everything. It's really um it, it depends on the level of maturity of that high eye because that person might have done a lot of work on themselves. They know that although I'm a high eye, I, I know how to tap into each one of those different areas. So yes, you can use that later for team development and growth, but it's really ensuring that you're taking time and you're asking those questions outside of the box of does this person solely have the skills and the abilities to do the job? It's asking, okay, when they come into the team, do they have the same value system, right? Do they um, know, have they worked with a group before? Um, are there, aware that they're going to have to connect with this department and that department to collaborate. So when it comes to collaboration and group projects, hey, tell me about a time where you had to collaborate with another department to build blah, 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 blah. Um, and what was that experience like? What was the outcome? And really listen to how they explain it, right? Are they really giving you that detail? Um, given, given work examples, right? So you can actually see the outcome. Um, you know, maybe they have feedback and maybe there was a chat group where everybody was like, oh my gosh, that was such a great experience. Um, we love working together. And that piece right t- tells you there that, oh, wow, OK, I'm seeing that you had a great work experience or great collaborative um, project experience with these individuals. So you want to think about those things. OK, how do they look at diversity? You're really pushing an initiative to bring in more African-American talent or more women or you want to tap into another um, Uh, um, I don't know, another department or bring in just talent from elsewhere and they might have to train those individuals. Have you thought about those things where the future of your company is going and how this person is going to be there and how they're going to respond to it? How do they feel about change? How do they feel about COVID? Are they okay with coming in twice a week versus no times a week? All those different things are important. So it's about expanding the conversation and then also, being prepared and ready to be asked questions back. Because I always tell individuals going for career pursuits, you're not just going in saying, pick me. You need to start going in is I choose you. So you want to also vet the places you're going to, and just like I was talking about Gen Zers, they're thriving and they want more diversity in companies. So asking those questions: oh, What are your current DEI initiatives? Do you have a, you know, um, you know, any type of activities that you do? Do you have any employee resource groups? Like, what are you currently doing um, to, you know, drive um, diversity? Are there opportunities for me to move up um, within the C-suite and things of that sort? Looking at that board, seeing if they're diverse. Hey. Is there opportunities that I can come in and just shadow and see what the experience is like to be, I don't know, a technician for the day so you can get a look and feel and see if you are walking into a space that is diverse, if that's something that's your priority. So I think it's, you know, the responsibility for the organizations and that hiring panel to look beyond the skills, um, those basic skills. But it's also, um, I think it's important that those that are looking and those um, talented individuals out there to also go into spaces like I choose you. So making sure you're vetting those companies as much as you can, because once I hire you, You have to remember that this is once I hire you, I need you to come in and be that asset that I hired and what you don't want to go in and go in and be like, oh, crap, what did I just get myself into? We're not going to have all the answers, but that's the other side I always look at like, man. I would hate someone to go into an organization and then give it 50% because they didn't really want to be there because that affects um, the day-to-day if you're not really, if you don't really want to be there. So remember that as well. It's not solely about you. It's going to impact other people if you're not showing up and giving at least, at least just give them 85, but 85, 90% on the day-to-day, okay? All right. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: I mean, I think you're absolutely right. The I choose you aspect having as the person seated and being interviewed, have your five questions ready, like have, be ready. And this aspect of preparation, dig in, like, you know, we got all the Google at the fingertips. So go and be, and become prepared. So this book I'm reading is called uh, The Makings of a Manager by an ex-Facebook exec. And I thought this was so powerful about uh, talking about hiring, but also leading teams. And so she said something that was really good about, you know, if you are not the right fit, she goes, sometimes leaders and managers are not the right fit for that person. It is not a blame game situation. I wanted your thoughts on that because is that something that you've experienced that you've coached the clients
1: with or- that you yeah. experience. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. You know, again, you know, I, I know we can we can talk about it. like Ashley, right? Ashley has this great approach um, to how she leads because again, we do some leadership stuff within this personal and professional development community, and you know, there there are opportunities that you that you know that are happening right now where people are being partnered up and if it's a possibility where you can partner up people that, okay, look again, look at the person's needs, right? Or their gifts, right? And then look at the person that you're partnering up. Okay, okay, what are their, I don't want to say deficiencies, but what are their blind spots? And does the person that you're partnering up with, do they have, can they support that growth and development in that area? But again, they need to also consider the importance of empathy, understanding. You want to make sure that the person that's coming in is teachable and they want to learn and grow. So I think that if you start to look at things from, okay, and if you have the capacity to, because again, Depending on the department, depending on the organization, unfortunately, you might get who you get. That might be the only leader there. That might be the only person there. Right. So, you know, in those cases, it's really not much you can do. It's really about that leader hopefully sitting down with that individual and getting to the nitty gritty of what the issues are and that leader, not being defensive, but taking time to grow and develop. Because again, that was my moment of awareness. I thought I was the bomb.com leader. Even after I started to chase leadership, <laughs> I'm like, mm, I got all the plaques. I mean, all these little doodads y'all see up here. Y'all can't see everything. Oh, you can't see anything because I am just audio, but I have like all these plaques and awards and things that I had and I was leader leading. You know, one of the youngest leaders in, no, I was the youngest leader in um, the organization at one time. And I have all these awards and I'm like, just moving up. I'm thinking I'm great. I was not. And they told me I wasn't. And this didn't happen until things blew up. And I had a whole, a team member go call another leader in a whole another section to tell them that they weren't coming to work that day. And I was like, how'd that work? You, I, you work for me. How are you going to call a leader right. in another department and tell them you're not coming in? I need to know that. But it should have never gotten to that point. And I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of an autopilot. I didn't know I wasn't um, supporting him. So it turned into this whole conversation. And then my leader brought in my team and they gave me feedback. And in that pivotal moment, I could have been defensive or I could have taken it as an opportunity to grow. I took it as an opportunity to grow. And because of that, it improved my interaction with my team. So if you are in that one-on-one situation, it's about collecting the feedback and implementing and growing, and then doing the work so you can build the trust and the connectivity with your team. But again, if you are, if you do have an opportunity to um, align, individuals together, it's about, again, making sure that, um, you know, if it's like a mentee mentor situation, again, leader with, you know, whatever type of situation it is, it's identifying, okay, what gifts and talents this person has blind spots, let's align them with the right fit and making sure someone's coachable, teachable, and making sure this person is an effective coach, recognizing those soft skills, empathy, emotional intelligence. So if you have like a pre- training course you can put those leaders through and a prep course that you can put those mentees through and then match people based off of that that's perfect because now you're really being customized again it's about customization about how you are um, bringing people together because those matching that just like okay the first come first serve that does not work you really want to start being asking yourself okay who's aligned and you see that happening where okay in this personal and professional development community, people are being matched based off of, huh, I know that this alignment, this 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 coaching situation is gonna work out perfectly because you have this skill that this is gonna benefit this other person.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, right. That's right on time to just to that customized approach to leadership. I love that. I love that. So the last, last question I wanna ask you, Aisha. Um, so you get a phone call. It's five minutes from now, you get a phone call. And it's the person that you've always wanted to work with, in in this space. Who is that person, and what's that? What's that project? What's that opportunity?
1: Wow, you know what? It's it's been more organization focused. It hasn't necessarily been um, a person. Right. Um, Because my mindset now has been and it's funny because like I just thinking about this question, but um, I know that like my goal is to. Right now, my goal is to really support initiatives that consider the other. Right. And this is like tied to the diversity, equity and inclusion side. So. One of the calls that I'm really like looking, dialing in for is for the diversity. So there's like an Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion that supports the entire Department of Defense. Yes. And that is if I can get that call, I will be so happy because I want to draw in and really expand the conversation about diversity to look at single mothers, um, to look at these other pockets of to, to talk about these intergenerational sectors, um, because although, yes, the aspect of race, um, you know, the African-American community, that is a priority one because there's a lot of deficiencies in that area to make sure that they're getting the opportunities that they um That they deserve, Um, and also looking at the 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 issues or the breakdowns as to why certain um, um, you know recruiting tactics are effective, and making sure they're going to the right spaces to attract that talent, but also looking at it for again these other pockets of um, uh, groups that are that are struggling, and they really want to serve or they really want to support an organization and a team, and they are like, man, I. I, I feel limited, right? Um, so that's my goal, like that's the call I would love to have and I'm like driving to do that now. I'm like, okay, how do I get in this space? So um, that's the big thing. I mean, that if, if and then outside of that, the next big call would be the White House. And although there's a lot of controversy with the White House and the administration, and I'm like, please, I'm not getting into politics at all. I am more, I am a person that is more about the impact of the masses because again, when we think about, again, we go back to leaders prioritizing God. When we think about what we are on the, in this world to do as leaders, if, you're, if you align yourself to any type of spiritual um, you know, alignment at all, it's about ministry. So if I got a call and this initiative was going to impact the nation, and it was going to push again some type of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, focus, and um, especially with emotion. And the other thing is emotional management and normalizing emotions, um, and and really supporting this mental wellness drive for certain communities. Um, so it has a diversity, equity, inclusion connection, and it can impact the masses. I would, I will, a hundred percent jump in to do that because it's not about political affiliation it's not about race. It's not about, it's about ministry, right? And I believe that God put us into these positions to impact more. And it's not about what we're seeing on the outside. It's about change. It's about the heart. It's about the work that he's doing. So, um, that's really been my, my, my push. How can I support the other? How can I support these generations, these black and brown communities, these pockets that aren't aware that emotions are all right. This is how we navigate them. Hey, I need this exposure and the support to be for these communities or these other groups, single moms and so on, and all these different spaces. Um, so those are two, two areas that I would jump on, um, if I got a call on. So it's not, people it's um initiatives Amen.
0: initiative, initiative with organizational impact. To yes. Practice. Yes. Come on. Come on. That's so good. Aisha, where can the people find you, Aisha? They yes. Need to, they need to connect <laughs> with you.
1: Yes. Um, so I have my website, AishaThomas.org, A-I-S-H-A-T-H-O-M-A-S.org. Um, and all my social media links are up top. Um, all my social media, um, platform are Miss Aisha Thomas, M-S-A-I-S-H-A-T-H-O-M-A-S. Um, YouTube, just search for Aisha Thomas as well. I have a bunch of series on there where we talk about the same things, you know, employee development. Um, I have this whole series about, you know, um, why you need leadership development. Then I have another one about employee retention. There's a whole series on it um, and some good stuff coming that's going to be focused on DE&I and so on. So that's where you can find me. And I have a podcast, too. It's called Leader Set Trends, podcast on all platforms. So you can also check me out on there. But again, go to my website. It has everything that you need. AishaThomas.org. We'll have all the information
0: in the show notes. Man, Aisha, this has been incredible. Um, This has been exciting. We could go in for another hour, but we won't. Um, But uh, this is so fantastic. Again, this is another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash, listening to the Leadership System series. Uh, I'm excited for what's next for Aisha and we'll definitely have to have her back on a future season. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to rate and subscribe uh, the podcast and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review and follow Ashley on social media at Ashley Schuler underscore. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-H-U-L-E-R underscore.